Bless the Lord this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. I was just sharing with first service. We've been in Matthew chapter 5, preached through the Beatitudes. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount here. It's just amazing how much the Holy Spirit has tucked into one chapter of the Bible. Anybody else amazed? Anybody know what amazed means? God's Word's alive. It's meaning for us today. It's completely relevant. This morning, as we're in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm going to recap from verse 13 through verse 16. Uh, verse 14 starts our new material. You'll recognize what we talked about before. Last time we were in this, we talked about the fact that uh, Jesus used the illustration of salt to help us to understand that we need to maintain our spiritual edge. This week, we're going to talk about light. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you. Holy Spirit, that you're going to open it up to us, and each of us is going to get what's in the Father's heart for us today. Father, don't let any of us leave the way we came, but change us by the power of the word. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men our new material. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but in a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now just close your eyes, and I want to read that to you and let it get into your heart this morning. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus, speaking to the multitudes, using parables. Remember, parables were a way to use a common illustration to illustrate a spiritual truth. Jesus spoke to them in parables because there were multitudes. There were casual seekers. They really weren't there for the kingdom of God first. They were there for the show. They were there for the meal. They were there to see what Jesus would do. And so he spoke to them in parables. He cloaked the truth in such a way that they would have to dig in to extract it. Now, when he got his disciples in private, he would explain many of these parables to them and give them the the spiritual meanings. But last time he spoke here, he talked about salt and he used salt to show us the value of maintaining our spiritual edge. If you didn't hear that message, I encourage you to get online or through many of the avenues we have for you to hear these and listen to it. We have a spiritual edge to maintain. There are too many dull Christians running loose. Smile if it's not you. (laughs) Now Jesus uses light in the framework of a parable to make this point, that his church and his children are to be light in the world. He's making this point. Now, when you look at the idea of light as an illustration, the importance of light cannot be overstated. Just the fact that we could see each other this morning. I mean, even without my glasses, I'm seeing you. You look, you look, oh, well, never mind. I'll just, 
But with light, I mean, without light, we can't even see each other. We can't communicate properly. I mean, just imagine if we were in the dark and trying to function. All the things that light affords for us, it's a blessing in so many ways. We flip that light switch on and we kind of just forget that, you know, it's an amazing thing that, uh, I mean, we don't like our electric bills, but we like the fruit of what they do, right? Come on, could you imagine when the power goes out? I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a pioneer. I'm reading by candlelight. I feel like Abe Lincoln. Light is such a blessing. Light is so important to us. Light in our universe through the sun, uh, just a, a magnificent creation of God that the sun and its light that it provides, it gives us warmth, it sustains growth, it gives us life. I mean, the plant world can't survive without light and through the sun, the plants absorb the light and photosynthesis allows them to produce life and then animals eat the plants and the circle of life continues as we have steak. You say that's all possible, why? Because of light. And think about the importance of light. If you just do a quick study on the you know, scientific parameters of light, the, the speed of light, or the spectrums of light, or the power of harnessed light, they can harness light into lasers and they can cut steel beams with them. Amazing. The importance of light cannot be overstated. You know, without uh, uh, the sunlight, we can't be healthy. Do you know most people are vitamin D deficient? Do you know where you get vitamin D from the sun? Hello, people, go outside. We have a whole generation that doesn't go outside anymore. When we were kids, my mom would open the door at sunlight, kick us out, say, drink out of the hose, we'll see you at lunch. Right? You need sunlight. You need vitamin D. Most people are vitamin D deficient. Oh, let me take a pill. Go outside and absorb it. You, you can't stay healthy without light. In places where there is no light, where, you know, like in Alaska or places like that that have long periods of darkness, the alcoholism rate and the, the mental issues and the suicide rate soars. If you put a person in solitary confinement and you don't expose them to light, they will go insane. The importance of light cannot be overstated. We need light. We need it to be emotionally, physically, and spiritually healthy. The scientific properties of light are amazing. We just touched on just a few of them. If you do a quick study on any of those things, you'll be blown away about the scientific properties of light. So when Jesus says to you, the church, and to each individual believer, you are the light of the world, that's a pretty heavy statement. It's a pretty powerful statement to say you are the light of the world. Just as the sun is the engine and the, the light source of our solar system, we are the light of the world in a spiritual sense. Now, I want you to grab the magnitude of that. I've taken the time to do this introduction so you can understand us being light is a significant thing. Now, there are four truths about light that are revealed in this text here that I want to talk to you about today. And the first one is this. The church is a spiritual lighthouse for the world. The church was meant to be the spiritual lighthouse. Now, unless you've been in the Navy, you've never been at sea and, you know, navigated by lights or seen a lighthouse and realized what a powerful thing it is to have a lighthouse as a beacon. It helps you to understand where you are. It helps you to understand your proximity to the coastline. All that stuff's important. If you've ever been out in a dark ocean and you see a light shining, you realize how powerful and significant that is. 
Now for us landlubbers who don't understand that, being a lighthouse in a spiritual sense is just as significant. I wanna make a statement today. The church must do what the light does or it's not the church. Just let that settle in. The church must do what light does or it's not the church. You see, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. If we as the church don't do what light does, then we are not the church. The church needs to be the, the, the beacon. It needs to be the lighthouse. It needs to be the, the one that gives uh, the bearings for people who are lost. And the church must do what light does. Here's what light does. Two things. Number one, light dispels darkness. You know, there was a time maybe 15 years ago where I preached through this text and I remember, I I can't do it now because of all the lights in here, but we turned all the lights off and it was pitch black and and you all were out there and and we just shined one light beam and it cut through the darkness. And wherever that light went as we swept it, it would just pierce the darkness. And I want you to, that would be a great illustration that we can't do this morning because of our trees and lights. But I want you to get that in your head that we as the church need to dispel darkness. What does that mean? If you ever walk into a pitch black room and you walk in there, have you ever been in a room that's so dark or in a place that's so dark? I mean, you can almost feel the darkness. Like, I live out in the middle of nowhere. You turn off all the lights at my house at night and there's no moonlight, it is so dark you can chew it. (laughs) Now, when you walk into a dark room and flip the light switch, it's instantaneously, the light just floods and chases away all the darkness. That's the image I want you to get. That light switch is you and I. That light switch is the church. And when it's snapped on, it dispels and chases the darkness away. The church should drive darkness away in this world. Amen? Now you might think, well, that's basic, that's easy, but really it's, it's not easy, it's not basic. It's, it's our mission as a people, as a people of God, as a church, to get in dark places and let our light shine so we dispel or drive away the darkness. Listen, the church that doesn't drive away darkness is not the church. I don't care how nice the building is. I don't care if there's stained glass. I don't care if there's crosses everywhere. I don't care if there's religious icons stuck to the wall. I don't care how well the people dress up and how big the hats are they wear. If the the light of the church doesn't chase away the darkness, it's not the church. Churches that condone darkness or explain away darkness or accept the darkness are in darkness themselves. And you and I get this and we know it, but we need to hear it. Why? Because God wants us to be reminded today. Jesus wants to remind us today that we are the light of the world. If you can go into a place and it's a church and there's no move of God, there's no move of the Holy Spirit, the the, the word doesn't go forth where there's conviction that it produces salvation, that your life is never challenged, that you can come in and sin and leave in sin and be perfectly comfortable the whole time. Something's wrong. Unless the church does what light does, it's not the church. And the church dispels darkness because it's the light of the world. Number two, the light exposes hidden things. (laughs) How a person responds to light reveals 
you know, what's in their heart. It reveals two things about them. Because when you slap the light on, it reveals everything that's hidden. We're going to talk about this in depth here, but I want to say two things first. The, the, the first thing that we got to understand about light exposing hidden things is that it depends on the person's heart, the reaction they have to the light. Is the person hiding or seeking? If we're hiding, then we know that the dark is the best place to hide. If we're seeking, then we don't like the dark because it makes our seeking frustrating. So if we're hiding and we're in the dark, then we're happy because it's good. It, if, when you were a kid, if you played hide and seek or you played manhunt, how many people played manhunt? Remember, with the generation that went outside, right? Yeah, we'd catch fireflies until, the, you know, and then we'd play manhunt in the dark. It's amazing. You could hide in the dark. You could be right there between a bush and a shutter. People going right by, man. Isn't it great? They're just going right by. You're like, if you didn't smile, they couldn't see you. So awesome. I mean, but if you want to hide, the dark is a great place to be. But if, you, if you're seeking, then the dark makes everything more difficult. Uh, and people who are seeking, what are they seeking? Truth, spiritual truth. And when you're looking in the darkness, if you've ever groped in the darkness looking for something, you know it's frustrating and it's dangerous. You know, there are times where, you know, you're, as men, you know, you're sent to look for something in the attic and you go up there and you pull that chain on the light switch up there. I don't know if yours does it, but mine, you pull it and nothing happens. The chain's stuck, the bulb's dead, but you got to get up there. So now you're like, I, I can find it, I can find it. So now you're in the attic in the dark. How about a dark closet, looking in the dark closet? I mean, frustrating, the garage. You, you, our lights, all our lights were blown out in the garage. We just had them fixed, it's amazing. Sometimes now we just go stand in the garage at night, it's great. <laughs> it's light, it's good, I can find stuff. But searching in the dark is frustrating. It's, it's, you can't find anything. I remember one time going in the garage trying to find, you know, a certain tool. And I'm, I'm, I'm just groping. And I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. You know, even this altar here, we, at the church, there are times where the light switch is in the sound booth. So if we need something on the altar, we have to come from our offices and come up here. And you're not going to walk all the way around the building, turn the lights on. So I'll find it in the dark. I don't know how many times, you know, I've, I've been here a long time. Uh, how many years? 25 years? Coming out here in the dark, looking for stuff in the dark, moving slow. <sighs> Tripping, falling. I got to be honest with you. I fell off of here one time <laughs> in the dark, Louie. It was, it was when I was younger, but it still probably wasn't pretty. And I used to get so aggravated. When you turn the lights on, you could see everything. You could avoid all the obstacles. You could find exactly what you were looking for. But in the dark, it's frustrating. In the dark, it's dangerous. And that's why it's so important for the church to light things up for people who are in darkness. And if the people are seekers and they're not hiding, they're going to appreciate the light and come to the light because the light allows them to see spiritual truth. How do they really feel about darkness? That's the, second, uh, that's the second part of this equation here. Light exposes hidden things. And how does that person feel about darkness? You know, there again, if we're hiding, the darkness is where we want to be. Why? Because the darkness lets us believe lies. 
When we're in spiritual darkness, we believe lies. Oh, everybody goes to heaven. Oh, I'm fine. I'm a good person. Or, you know, of course. And, and we, how many have, you know, come out of darkness into the light only to realize, man, I believed a lot of lies. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know? And it's uncomfortable to go, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus, that, you know, my ticker didn't pop then when I believed all those lies. But that you had patience with me and you waited for me and you persuaded me and you drew me and you saved me and you brought me out of darkness into light and now I can see. But when you're in the dark, you can believe lies and be comfortable with them. You can create false narratives about yourself and false images of who you really are and it's believable in the darkness. You know, if it was pitch black in here, that's why people, you know, people like the anonymity of the, of the internet. Uh, they can create these personas of themselves and really it can be so far to from reality that nobody can call them on it. Why? Because of the anonymity of the darkness. It could be so pitch black in here. I could tell you I'm six foot five, 220 pounds with 50 inch shoulders, 20 inch arms and a 30 inch waist. This is where everybody starts to laugh at that point. And then the lights go on and, and what you can't, I mean, that's it. Game over. You can't, you're going to see I'm 5'11", 230. And the list goes on. I, I went through the whole list in first service. I'm not going to do it again. But, you know, I can create that image in the dark. But in the light, truth is revealed. And it's indisputable because we can see it. And so how a person feels about the light is so important. John 3:16 through 20, a very important scripture. We all know John 3:16. That's the linchpin of our faith with a salvation experience that Jesus puts out there. But the rest of the verses are so powerful. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged and he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Now here's where it gets interesting. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than the light for the light their evil deeds were exposed. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Wow. There it is. The plain truth with the light of God's illumination on his word. The reason some people like the dark and they hate the light is because they don't want their sin to be exposed. It comes down to whether we're playing high, we're hiding or seeking. If we're seeking, we want to come into the light. If we're hiding, we avoid it at all costs. Light exposes hidden things. Light dispels the darkness. And the church is to be the light of the world. Now, let's continue with the text here. It, it moves on and it says some pretty interesting things. It says, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let's take a look at that. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. What's Jesus trying to communicate there? He's saying light is hard to hide. It, I mean, if, you, if you've ever tried to, you know, maybe your children were asleep or whatnot and you had to turn a light on, you know that it's, it's hard to, even with dimmers and stuff, light is hard to hide. Light is, is something that once it's on, it is very visible. And, you know, it says here, a city on a hill. If you've ever been on a, on a plane and you look down at a city all lit up, isn't that the most amazing thing? 
Like usually I like the things that God made. I like the trees and the rocks and the mountains and stuff. But once in a while you look at some man-made stuff and you say, that's pretty cool. You're in a plane, you're up there at 10,000 feet, you're cruising, you've already finished your peanuts and you got nothing to do. <laughs> so you look out the window and here's a city all lit up. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Usually when we're coming in uh, in a landing, going to Canada, seeing Kim's family, you know, there's so much barren out there. You get to a spot, you're going over just wheat fields, there's nothing and all of a sudden you could see that city glowing and as you come in, you could see the houses and stuff. You could see my mother-in-law waving. <laughs> And what a city that's all lit up at night is impossible to hide. And it also says a city on a hill, so it incorporates elevation. When you lift something up and then you light it up right there, this is the imagery God wants us to get, that if we lift Jesus up and allow the light of Jesus to shine through us, that it's impossible to hide that. <laughs> and I say impossible, but we're going to talk about that to a certain degree too. The light of you know, a city cannot be hidden. The elevation of the city makes it visible at great distance. You know, uh, people who, you know, there again, who navigate the oceans, they know how powerful a light could be. Soldiers in, uh, in the field at a time of war would have to do something that was called night. Uh, they would do light and noise discipline. You couldn't make noise and you couldn't light up lights. You couldn't light up your flashlight. You couldn't start a fire. Why? Because the enemy would see it. Because light is very visible and it's impossible to hide. Well, I'll just have a little fire because I'm cold. No, the enemy is going to see it. So you would have to discipline yourself not to use lights, not to make noise. And understand it's the exact opposite for the Christian. God is not saying hide your light. He's not saying put, put, a, put a basket on your light. He's saying you let it shine. Yes. Yes. Yet he gives us this image here. And light really is hard. I... I don't know how you can really hide it, you know, from, there's always going to be a, so, a soft glow. There's always going to be a little bit creep through. No matter how dim or how faint, even a little flicker of a candle. I remember when we were kids, uh, this was back in the Stone Age when we only had black and white TVs. Anybody remember those days? Yeah, my parents bought us our first TV. Gary and I shared a room together. We, and we had this TV. It was a little red plastic TV like this big. I don't know, was it like a 12? I mean, it was so small, black and white. But we would want to watch TV after bedtime. So we would take that little TV and we would put it under the covers of the bed and we would get blankets and comforters and we would create a tent and we'd get under there and we'd watch something usually that we weren't supposed to watch. But my parents would, no matter how many comforters, how many blankets, you know, we were probably watching Benny Hill and we'd start laughing and we'd get in trouble. But, you know, they would see that little flicker of light because it's impossible to hide that. You're always going to see some of it. And understand light, which is my next point, light was never meant to be hidden. And that's something that we have to get here today. You know, what does it say? Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. So, you know, it's very hard to hide light. You can try, but it's always going to peek out. And the reason for that is because God never intended for the light to be hidden. Now, could you imagine turning on every light in your house? Now, if you have children, you don't have to imagine because every light on your house is on. I remember, you know, I remember when I really realized I'm getting old is when I just now I walk around the house muttering and turning off lights. I gotta, you know, what do you think? And I, and I remind me of my dad. He used to just be turning off lights and mumbling. I don't know, Central Hudson, I can't afford this. 
That's, you know, so if you got every light on your house, imagine that. Not too hard to imagine if you have a family there. But now imagine lighting every light in your house and going to every bulb and taking a black shroud, a really dark shroud, and putting it over every light bulb. Now, don't do this. You're going to catch the place on fire. But this, this is an illustration. Don't try this at home. Okay, and you put a shroud over every bulb. So at best, it's just dim. There's just a little glow. And, and you've got every light on in your house. At the end of the month, you get a bill from the electric company that is astronomical. How insane would it be to do that? You have the light on, but you don't have the benefits of the light, yet you're paying full price for the light. Light is very hard to hide because light was never meant to be hide. It makes as much sense of doing what I just described to you as it does for a Christian to hide their light. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. It's not its intent. It wasn't designed to be that way. It says, nor does anyone light a light and put it under a basket. Yet it's true, and we must all agree, that some people, and when I say people, I mean Christians, some Christians try to hide their light. Why would we do that? Why would we hide our light? Why would we want to dim the light down? Why would we want to cover the light? There's only one plausible reason for the sake of avoidance. Certain people want to avoid being offensive. See, our world says, don't be offensive. The worst thing, you, you could be a liar, you could be a thief, you could be immoral, you could be crazy, and that's all good. We love you, but don't you be offensive. And don't say something that we have deemed to be offensive. And, and the, the world that we live in now says, Christianity, your Jesus stuff is offensive to us. It's too exclusive. It's too narrow. It's too, you know. And, and so Christians are conditioned what? To not be offensive. That's the wrong thing to be. It gets, now, now it gets all quiet in church. Are you going to tell me to be offensive? I'm going to tell you to let your light shine. Amen. And when you let your light shine, do it with the joy of the Lord and do it with a sincere heart. And if people get offended at that, well, then so be it. Sometimes people have to get offended before they can get saved. Somebody had to stick their finger in my face and say, hey, young man, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Well, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. I don't know. You know, you got to have some sort of comeback. But like, I mean, that... that some of you need to loosen up a little bit. You know, nobody likes it when they're challenged like that. But I'm glad somebody had the guts to do that to me. Because within a short time, I was stumbling into the arms of Jesus and my life's never been the same. But people start off offended. Well, don't be offended. So people have this avoidance, this nature. Well, don't be offensive and, you know, kind of keep it under wraps or don't, don't look for trouble. Don't create conflict. Some people want to hide their light. Yeah, I want to be saved. Yeah, uh, this Jesus thing is really great. I'm glad, you know, for the eternal benefits are awesome, but I don't want to attract persecution. I don't want to attract trouble. That's avoidance. And that's the only plausible explanation I can come up for why Christians would try and hide their light, why they would put that basket over the light, why they would turn on all the lights in their house and put a shroud over them. Two scriptures to consider if you're prone to avoidance. Number one, Luke 9, 26. Jesus speaking, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of his holy angels. Jesus speaking, look what he says. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Wow. 
This is, this is something to really chew on, really to think about, that if I have the light of Jesus Christ in me because I'm born again and I've received him as my savior and I want to keep it quiet, I want to avoid persecution, I want to avoid conflict, I don't want to be offensive to the, the world that's in darkness all around me. Jesus says, you're ashamed of me? If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Look what he says in Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. The scripture makes it pretty clear that avoidance is not the way to go. The scripture makes it pretty clear that hiding our light is not the thing for us to do, which brings me to my last point and how this text closes down. Uh, shining our light, we are the light, but the word here and the text here commands us to shine our light. It's not an option here. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light, not if you feel like it, not if you're a super Christian, not if you're really feeling feisty, you know, let your light, it's a command. And we talked about this in first service. Our flesh doesn't like to be commanded. You know, when some, I mean, we don't go around, uh, unless you're in the military and you understand the structure and the chain of command, most of us have never really been commanded to do anything. But when you are, I mean, you don't say to your spouse, I command you to take out the garbage. But you, you know, I, I command you to put dinner on the table at five o'clock every day. You know, we don't do things like that because we got to go to sleep sometime. <laughs> it's a dangerous world. Right, but even getting commanded, I remember one time I got a letter in the mail from jury duty. And it says, you are hereby commanded to appear at the blah, blah, blah. To be. After commanded, I didn't hear anything else in the letter. Because I didn't like it. You work for me. I pay taxes. You're public. Don't, you don't command me. I was about to go down there. <laughs> I went down there. I, I got on the jury. I, had to, <laughs> I made some friends. I had a good time. But our flesh doesn't like to be commanded. Yet, if there's one person who can command us, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're soldiers in his army, amen? So we... We, not, we don't like taking commands from other people, but when Jesus gives us a command, we should say, yes, sir. We should salute and we should, we should do what he says. You know, and we've got to understand something. It was never the 10 suggestions. Let me try, let me try it over here. It was never the 10 suggestions. It was the 10 commandments. God didn't say, here's a couple things you'd like to try. No, he commanded his people. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus hinged the proof of our love on the fact that we would be obedient to what we were told to do. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't listen to him. I just listen to me. How does that square up with the word? Not good. So when Jesus commands us, we've got to be obedient. And, and the text here is pretty clear, you know, that we need to let your light shine. Let it shine. Don't hold it back. Don't cover it up. Don't dim it down. Don't put a shroud over it. Let your light shine before men. It's a commandment here. People who refuse to let their light shine because of avoidance are plainly just being disobedient to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. To some degree, we want to please people more than him. 
And we, our avoidance says, you know what? I just don't want to make any trouble. I don't want to attract any attention. And really what we do is our disobedience makes us useless to the kingdom of God. Remember what he said about salt? Salt that's lost its saltiness. It's worthless. It's good for nothing. Disobedient believers are in that same category. So you came to church today and you found out you have no choice but to let your light shine. That it makes no sense to try and hide your light. And if you're prone to avoidance, like so all of us are prone to avoidance at some degree. We, we get shy or we think it's not the right time. Or, and listen to me, we need to use wisdom in how we share our faith. Okay, let me say it again. We need to use wisdom in how we share our faith. We don't just bang people over the head with the Bible. We don't just, you know, Christian them to death. We don't just tackle them and say, do you know Jesus? I know Jesus, do you know Jesus? <laughs> See, some people, I'm like, oh. They scare more people away than they attract. So zeal without knowledge is the flip side of the coin. But you and I who love him and know him, we need to look for opportunities to share our faith and let that light shine. Because your light is powerful. You say, Pastor, but you know, I don't know too much. I haven't been saved long. I'm new at this stuff. Your light is powerful. If you can just say, I was lost and now I'm found. I was in sin and bondage and now I'm free. I was confused, but now I've got some answers. If you could just share that little bit of testimony, it's enough light to pierce the darkness. <laughs> you, you don't have to know everything. None of us do, but we can say, come to the one who has all the answers. His name is Jesus. He changed me. He'll change you. And so we've got to obey the command of the Lord and let our light shine. And now the text continues. It says, let your light shine in such a way uh, before men. So there's a way to let our light shine. And some of what I've been talking about, the wisdom on how to share and how to, you know, through friendship evangelism, through personal interaction, through being a servant, there's powerful ways to share and let the light shine. And it says to do it in such a way. So uh, understand this verse requires the right heart. Yes. Oh, you know, you meet somebody. I got to tell you about Jesus. I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this over with so we can talk about sports. You know, let's... Yeah, let's argue about politics. And <laughs> you, got, you got to have the right heart. You, you, you catch more flies with sugar or honey than you do with vinegar. Amen. So it says to, to let your light shine in such a way before men. See, that's where we're supposed to do it. Not just in the secret place, not just in the prayer closet. Well, I'm real spiritual by myself and I praise the Lord. And I, you know, I, you know, I, I but, but when I get around people, I'm like, you say, well, I'm shy. Get over it. You say, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little fearful. Get over it. We're commanded to do it. You know, not everybody has to be the big trumpet witness. Some of us are just going to love people and live in front of them, and they're going to see something different about us. Some of you are so much more powerful than you realize. You can affect so many more people than you do. <laughs> God help us to be obedient, to shine our light in such a way before men that what? It points to the Father and not ourselves. You see, when God works through me, when God works through you, when our lives impact others, they don't look and say, wow, you know what I need? I need more of Rick in my life. Huh. And you know, I don't know anybody who needs more Rick in their life, including Rick. I need less of me and more of Jesus. 
So the thing is, we don't, we don't preach this gospel and let our light shine to bring attention to ourselves. That's the way of the world. That's the, you know, we talked about this in first service. You know, we don't have a stage here. We have an altar. Amen. And people say, oh, oh you, it was up on the stage. We don't, we don't have a stage. Stages are for performances. Altars are for worship. We have an altar here. So what proceeds from there, the letting the light shine, the world gets up on a stage and puts a light on themselves to attract attention to themselves. Look at me. Look how great I am. Look how talented I am. Look how wonderful I am. Worship me. But for the Christian, it's the exact opposite. The light shines through us, and it's not our light, it's his light. And when it shines through us, it brings attention not to us, but to him. What a beautiful thing, amen? Uh, I have nothing, I have nothing for the lost. I have no ability to save anybody, but I know Jesus, and so do you. And so your light is powerful, and my light is powerful. So let it shine in such a way that it brings attention to our God. And that's the beautiful thing that we can be, we can be ambassadors of Christ. We can lead people to him. And just by letting him shine through us and loving people and living our lives in, in a different way that contrasts the world, we're going to show people that there is a God in heaven who still changes lives. Obedience to this verse produces two powerful things, and I want to I close down with this today. It says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, say good works, and glorify your Father, say Father, who is in heaven. So as we're obedient to Jesus, as we let our light shine, because we are the light of the world, two things happen. The first one is that we gain spiritual credibility that they may see your good works. Now I said it doesn't bring attention to ourselves, but they're gonna see a consistency in us by you know, the way we live our lives that first lets them see the light and then it reflects to the Father. So you and I letting the light shine through us will bring us spiritual credibility that they may see your good works. Every one of us needs spiritual credibility. All of us have met Christians who say they're a Christian and then if you see the way they behave, you wish they wouldn't tell people that they are Christians. They're the ones who complain at work. They're the ones who are coming in late. They're the ones talking about the boss. They're the ones cursing. They're the ones complaining. Hello? Don't raise your hand. This is not the altar call. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. There's some people you're like, stop telling people you're a Christian because you're not a consistent example. Your life doesn't have integrity. You're full of it. You're pretending. You're religious. Wow. We don't like that kind of talk. Oh, pastor, move on to something that's more happy and clappy. But the truth is that we have to have spiritual integrity. Otherwise, when we preach the gospel, people will just dismiss what we say because we're hypocrites. So let your light so shine among men that they see your good works. <laughs> well, even when we're wrong, even when we're out of line, if we'll be just transparent and, and, and say, I'm sorry. Some of us need to apologize to our coworkers. Some of us need to apologize to our neighbors. Some of us need to apologize to our spouses and children. I was this way in church. I was that way at home. Even when we're wrong, if we'll repent and be transparent, we'll still have spiritual integrity. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people who are honest and sincere. 
Every one of us needs spiritual integrity. We need credibility. We need a track record that proves that there's consistency in our life, that God's at work in us to be effective ministers of the gospel. So being obedient to letting our light shine, number one, gives us spiritual credibility. And number two, it creates divine visibility. When we have credibility and we credit Jesus for the fact that we're blessed and our life is producing fruit, what does that do? It says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There it is. It's that reflected glory. The world wants glory to absorb it. Christians get the glory to reflect it to the Father. And so what does that do? It creates divine uh, visibility that people see God in us. What a privilege it is for us to reflect God to the lost. What a privilege it is for us for the light to shine through us in the darkness so that people can realize, well, it's not you. It's something bigger than you. When people see what God's done in our lives, people who know us, people who know when we were wild, when we were young, when we were doing things we shouldn't have, when we, you know, when we were out of control and now all of a sudden we're under his power and we're under his control and there's a change in us. Come on, come on, that points to the Lord, right, Ray? That'll change people's lives when they look and see, you were a wild man, but now you're a godly man. When they see that, you know, something's different about you, that reflects God. People know, people know that nobody changes themselves. <laughs> when we try and change ourselves, it's an abject failure. I'm gonna try better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sin less. I'm gonna be nicer. Man, if you can go 15 minutes, you're awesome. Because I'm like, I'm working up to seven minutes probably. I'm on a seven minute scale, Lewis. But I need Jesus and I need him in my life and I need to let my light shine and I need people to see God in me so that they would say, my goodness, if God could change this guy, if God could change this family, if God could save that marriage, if God could turn that young person around, well, he could do it for me. It inspires faith. So being obedient to letting our light shine creates spiritual credibility and divine visibility and it is the purpose of the church so that we can be that lighthouse in the darkness to a lost world we are the light of the world let your light shine your light is powerful it will change people be honest be transparent be bold don't be fearful you've got what other people need especially in this christmas season there's a world in darkness that's religious and lost and they're hurting and they want truth whether they're hiding or seeking let your light shine let's bow our heads this morning Father, I just thank you this morning for this text. I thank you for the Sermon on the Mountain, for Jesus' words. I pray that these words uh, would wake something up in your people, that we would realize that if we have any kind of avoidance in our life, if we have shrunk back and we're not boldly proclaiming the truth, Father, would you take our fear this morning and we want to exchange it for boldness that especially in this time, we could, we could be the light that shows what the reason for the season is and that Christmas time is not about presents and uh, TV shows and Rudolph and all of these things, but it's about a baby who came in a manger, who died on a cross, who rose from the grave. And Father, we could see people's lives change in this Christmas season because we let the light shine that you put in us, through us, 
and appointed to you. This morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you've never gotten an opportunity to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you would be saved. He made it really simple. We just have to acknowledge that we're sinners, he's the savior, and we have to invite him to be the Lord of our life. You say, well, what'll happen if I do that? He'll come into your life, he'll forgive you of your sin, he will change your eternal destiny, and he'll save you, he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit and he'll give you the power to live a different life. He'll make you part of the family of God. You say, that, that sounds awesome. What does it cost? It doesn't cost us anything, but it cost him everything. Jesus died in our place. The only righteous man died a sinner's death so that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. If you're here this morning and you say, I want that, I want a clean slate, I want a fresh start, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. This Christmas season, I wanna be a brand new creation and I wanna have Jesus be the Lord of my life. If you're that person today, if you're here and you're, you're listening to that and you're, your heart is beating and you're, you're, you're excited this morning, I just want you to lift up your hand and say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. How many people need that today? Praise God this morning. Amen. Seeing hands. Shane. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Let's say a prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, we come to you as sinners. And we invite you to be the Savior of our lives. We repent of our sin. And we ask you to save us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. From this moment forward. We belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you say that's a simple prayer. What, what does that accomplish? That by a decision of your will allows your eternal destiny to be changed. The whole trajectory of your life will change from this moment forward if you prayed that prayer in faith. It's a prayer that is simple. It gets us into the threshold here and we start our new life with Christ. If you raised your hand and you got a packet in that packet, it's gonna tell you about how to walk with Jesus, how to grow in your faith and the things that you need to do just to read the scripture and to begin to pray and go to a church that teaches the Bible. These are the basics that none of us graduate from doing because they're faith builders. And I wanna encourage you this morning, many years ago uh, in, in, uh, in this very place, I prayed that prayer it changed my life. I've never been the same. God's no respecter of persons. He'll do the same for you this morning. So welcome to the family of God. Praise God.